0: clausen <laughs> that's
1: in the enthusiastic
0: workshop. my god <laughs> yeah. wow. i turn it up i turn it up when when the, when, yeah, when, it's showtime. when the podcast begins
1: i get it i get it this is your game face
0: Ex- absolutely um so i did so if you recall in the previous episode it was i said it was the end of season one season two is on its way run one season one whatever you want but you know it's the holidays charlie right and I would think it's good to bring the people a holiday special. So I'm the Christmas you gift. Are the, you are the Christmas <laughs> All gift. All
1: right. Get your bells jingled.
0: <laughs> um, before I begin quickly, normally um, for this show, the first 20 minutes would be free. And then you would go to Patreon, pay a dollar an episode, get the full episode, $3 an episode, get a bonus episode. But we're not doing that today. However, in the future, if this is your first listen, if you are a toe fopper, if you are a teabagger, are they still te- called teabaggers? Teabaggers, yeah, teabaggers? I believe so. Are still tea baggers? All right, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what the dialogue was these days. I mean, if you are a tea bagger and this is your yeah, first that's time. considered
1: racist these days. You're called tea baggers. Oh that, God, this, is that's their slave name. So okay. I'm on. is it all right? I'm I,
0: okay, I mean, I'm, dude, there's so much. I'm not. sure. I mean, I try to keep up to date as much as possible. Yeah, um, but. But if you if you are coming to this because you are a Tofa fan, you've never listened to Word Tetris before, go to patreon.com dot slash WarTetchers. Tetris. A lot of stuff there. Sign up, and uh, you won't actually, and you won't even get charged until the next first episode. The new run drops in twenty eighteen. So uh, you get to listen a lot of great stuff about writing. But why are we here today, Charlie? We're here because. I want to do a different kind of episode with you, which is you are a very well-esteemed actor in Australia. Now that you're not killing shows anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and I was curious, you know, writers, writers, something a lot of younger writers struggle with is a lot of them have never had anything produced. So they don't really understand the relationship of writer and actor. Mm. So as an actor, When you're reading scripts, let's start here. What are you usually looking for? Uh, And don't just say good story because, yes, everyone's looking for that. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you want something that is going to be different. I think that when, especially in television, you read a lot of scripts and because there is a formula to drama, there's a formula to comedy, there's a formula to script writing, very often you will read something and you know exactly where it's going within the first three or four pages you mm-hmm. know exactly what's going to happen you know the setup of the character it's like oh wow this guy's down on his luck I wonder when his fortunes are going to change all that kind of stuff so the stuff that really catches my attention is the stuff that it's unexpected mm-hmm. um and I think that that you know is really easy to say and hard to do I mean there's a reason why uh, scripts are formulaic but if you read something and a character goes in a diref- direction or the tone of it is different, then you want to keep reading. Cause you're like, what is this writer trying to say? Even if it's not necessarily a story that interests you, if it's something that, sorry, that's not a good way. Even if it's a genre that I'm not particularly into, if the script is like leading somewhere that I'm like, well, I just have to turn the page to find out where this is going. Cause I don't know what this writer is trying to say. Then mm. that really hooks me in. But you know, there's the obvious stuff as well. Like who is this character? Do You get a sense of the character straight away. Um, you know, there's nothing worse than sort of reading uh, a script and you get five or six pages in, and then you have to go back and remind yourself who the characters are because it seems like there's a Bill and there's an Eddie and there's a Tom and you can't differentiate between any of them because they haven't been clearly established on the page. Um, so they're the first kind of two things I look for.
0: And Kent, how meticulous does it be? Because I I know writers who will obsess over – Little things that don't ever actually make it to the screen, like set direction and camera, mm. and you know, like um, how many words there are per line and the readability of it. And you know, something when, uh, someone said to me was, you know, I know you're said to me about a script that I wrote was, I know you're thinking about the getting this sold in the producers right now, but you have to keep in mind that actors have to read this too. And I'm like, at certain, and the question is, at what stage do you think? writers should start worrying about the fact that actors are reading And Like, if it's not even sold yet, is should act the worry about actors reading and come into play.
1: Oh, actually, I don't know. I mean, that's a business question. I mean, it's different in Hollywood yeah. to Australia. I mean, you guys actually have like an industry here, like in Australia, you know, you are just wanting anyone to read it. <laughs> there isn't this sort of system of like, okay, am I getting past the gatekeeper? Is there like someone doing a coverage report on this before it gets to a producer, before it gets to an actor? Um, I mean, I would say that it's just a balance. You know, you want to write to entertain uh, to keep people reading the script, but you also want to write in in a way that's legible for an actor. I mean, you've heard that story about Harrison Ford and George Lucas where when they're making Star Wars, Harrison Ford said, you can maybe write this shit, but I can't say it. (laughs) I think that's like a good rule of thumb. Um, If you – it doesn't hurt to – like – if you're a writer, I assume you must know some actors, mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe not there like on television or whatever, but you must know even like an amateur theater group. I don't think it hurts. I, when I write, I like to do read-throughs mm-hmm. as often as I can. You get a lot from read-throughs and it is really hard just looking at something on the page to know if it works. And I think that, you know, you tend to overwrite, especially in the early drafts, you put everything in there because you just want to make 100% clear to the to the audience or the reader that this is what's going on. But that process of, you know, redrafting and rewriting at some stage, just like get some actors in, even if they're, even if your Uncle Bill, you know, does some amateur theatre every now and then, just get him in and hear the words as they come out and actually have someone read that big print as well. Because then, you know, I've, I find that stuff is, um, you know, I worked on a show where the the big print stage direction was so overwritten Like, it would just slow down the entire pace of the thing. You don't need to know, you know, she turns her head and coughs, a look of, you know, uh, subtle uh, dissatisfaction on her face. Like, how the fuck is an actor meant to play that part, you know? You just sort of establish that she's upset and then you move on. So
0: it is about simplicity.
1: Simplicity, I think, yeah. Like, there's nothing – you know what it's like when you look at a script and there's huge chunks of dialogue, huge paragraphs. It's intimidating. It's boring. You don't want to read it. Short, sharp bursts. I mean, look – if you're Quentin Tarantino and you know, you're know you writing a, a scene from Dustal Dawn where he basically sh- you know writes that bar scene like it's a, a shit up from the Wild Bunch, it's right. fun to read. It's like reading a comic book. That's a different kind of thing. But I'd say in general, especially in TV scripts, a short, sharp, punchy.
0: Right. I'm guessing you've been part of other people's read and table reads, yeah. of course. So when you're reading it, <clears throat> um, what is your approach to – do you read it as something like this is the final product? Do You read it as something like this is I'm I'm I feel free right now to get, tell this writer mm, I didn't this didn't work. Like
1: it just depends. It mm-hmm. depends on if you're doing a table read for a network, then you don't change anything. You just read as written. Um, but if it's a rehearsal and you're with the director or the writers or the writer, um, then I think most people. Uh, you know, that's when you've been given the green light for collaboration. And, I mean, I think there's an issue. I don't know if it's the same in the States. I assume it probably is. But at least in the shows I've worked on in Australia, there's a big separation between the actors and the writers, which I've always thought is odd. Like, the writers are very rarely down on set. The writers are very rarely yeah, I, in I, rehearsal. Yeah, I've
0: heard that. And uh, the way I know the way they like to do it over here when possible is to have the writer produce the episode. Right. Um, Sometimes it can't work. Sometimes it just doesn't allow. Like if the show is shooting in, you know, uh, South Africa. Sure. Good luck. They're not going to um, buy you a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they will. Maybe. Um, but more to the point. when Here's another thing. How much of, here's actually a very good question I want to ask you. Mm. How much. Like
1: okay, I'll decide if it's uh, good or not. <laughs> okay.
0: Fine. Fair. How much of what you do is on the page versus how much of what you do is done in, in discussions? Like, what someone wants out of the scene, how much of that needs to be on the page, which is how much of that comes out of the discussion and I asked this because when you're writing specs, it's a real question of how much do I want to put in here yeah to for the reader to know
1: well a, a writing teacher once told me you can only you can only put in the script what an audience will see on the screen mm-hmm. so if you were if you were writing in the big print about a character's internal struggle then that is nonsense because there's no way that if I'm watching, you know, uh, Jeff Bridges on screen, I know that he's really well, – he's upset about his daughter missing – you know, not calling him for his birthday and, you know, now he wants a piece of chocolate cake or whatever. That's – he can't act that. Like, you, that, that's not going to be on screen. So, you don't put that in the script. And I think that, you know, it's really just got to be about action you know, the character, what you're describing in the script or what works for me as an actor is if it, what, the, what the writer is saying the character is doing, the act he's performing, tells me what his intent is or his state of mind or whatever. I think that's a good rule of thumb. Um, but it also depends on, you know, the material, the director, you know, how much uh, latitude, you know, I just worked on a job that was so open and collaborative and flexible. I couldn't believe it. Like literally, the director would run the scenes with us, and he's like, "Okay, if the scene's not working for you, if the words aren't working for you, then just let me know. We'll bring the writers in. We'll rewrite it. How would you say this?" And we still want to arrive at the same point by the end of the scene. You've still got to break up with her or whatever. But how do you know how's that going to sound to you?
0: So it sounds like it's a it, it's a hybrid. It's a lot of yeah the actions on the page and what the action means comes out, comes to collaboration because the one thing I've been having a discussion of that was coming up in the last 10 episodes was this idea that writers will try to be subtle because if you're so on the nose... You don't want to give direction. If you're, if you're, well, if you're on the nose, it's considered bad writing even though my conclusion was that Everything. The audience. You want to give the audience subtlety, but in order to give the audience subtlety, everyone has to be on the same page explicitly about what the intention is. So this is why it became a question of like, how much do you really put in the script? Because you want the reader, you want the reader to have a certain experience. That's different from what the you want the audience to experience. You want the you want yeah. the reader who's reading it to know. I mean, it's This har- is the, this is the it's
1: hard because it's a blueprint, right? right? Like we all agree that that the script is not the final product, mm-hmm. and um, you know, unless you're William Shakespeare, every line is 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 sacri- you know can be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard. I mean, I I don't I don't really know what the answer to that is because you know I'm a writer and an actor, and so I know what it's like. I know the feeling of wanting someone reading my script to get exactly what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. which leads me to a point of maybe being like giving direction in a script or overriding, or you know, writing a camera angle or something like that, which you know apparently is a big no no. But
0: overriding is my my uh, my problem.
1: But I also think that that's just it's. I mean, that's if you think about your script like you know a block of. Uh, you know, like a block of concrete and you're a sculptor. Mm. You know, a block of concrete starts this big and then you chip away and you refine and you refine and you refine. And that's why the process of, you know, getting your Uncle Bob in to do a read-through or, you know, reading out aloud yourself, this is all part of cutting down those extraneous elements. Mm. Um, I mean, for me personally, and, and, and every act is different too, like some actors really like that level of clarity. Oh, this is exactly what's going on. I understand what exactly what's going on. And some actors hate you trying to tell them what their character's feeling. Well, sorry, it's not so much what your character's feeling. I know actors hate when you give them physical direction, like, you know, her eyes well up with tears. It's like, well,
0: they hate that. I had an interesting yeah. moment where on a, on a, on a, uh, co-write that I did. Mm. It was about a pilot of a bank robbery. And, the robber. So two robbers go in. One robber dies. He's killed by the security guard, and then she kills this, the the etc. And the her partner is now dead, and she looks at. I originally wrote it as she looks at him and tears up. And he, my co writer look who has produced who has produced some shorts looks at me and goes, "Here's the thing: if you tell an actor to cry." They're going to cry. Your intention in here is—I know what you're trying to write, which is she's sad. Mm. But the only way you know how to do that is to write she's crying. But if you get them to cry, it becomes a thing, and you don't want this to be a thing. And it's like it's—I think that a lot of writers, if they haven't worked with actors, there are certain cues they don't pick up on mm. that I find that I think um, that I want to hear an actress' perspective on, like. You know, is it uh, should should writers be should more writers get to know more actors just so they can sort of clear their script better? Yeah,
1: I think that. I mean, if it was a theater company, the writer would be on the floor with the actors at every rehearsal, mm-hmm. and I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, television and film is complete. Well, maybe film's a bit different, but television definitely writers are kept in a room away from everyone. It feels like. Um, but having said that, like, I don't get offended or annoyed if you write. You know, he's. Eyes fill with tears in a mm. script because it, to me you're just communicating. Oh, I'm upset at this moment. Whether or not I actually well up on the day, that's my choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, actors get funny about that. Like it, it's weird. Uh, I don't. I don't really get annoyed. Mine is more the emotional state when it's like when you know they say an actor when they say a character is, you know, experiencing a complex emotional state in the big print, I'm like- well. They
0: say that, like, as- re-
1: Well, no, no, like, it, it, they might what's say- what's an example? Uh, you know, like I said, sort of the, like the one I used before, like, uh, you know, he watches her leave, a look of, you know, quiet panic, you know, etched across his face, and it's like, well- I mean, what the fuck does that mean? Quiet right. panic, like yes. it, it, it's. If but you know, if it's like he watches her walk away, he quickly pulls out his phone and calls someone and says, "She knows." You know, then that to that, me that's, that it
0: telegraphs it better. Telegraphs it and better it's and it's, it about action, action exactly. The audience can grasp.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's because I did a soap opera, and soap opera traditionally is kind of like melodrama, and so the writers didn't have a lot of time, and so they would just the sh- the quickest possible way of telling you, oh. You know, he's panicking, that's how they'd write it. That's not in, you know, a lot of the other sort of shows I've done and stuff. But I think that that also is not a problem. It's not a problem if if the, the actor has license to change or question or contribute in the rehearsal process. I think if an actor gets blindsided, like they're handed pages on the day, and there is something like that in there, which they're told you have to deliver this right now, and they have had no time to think about it, no time to work out where it fits logically in the character's journey, Mm -hmm. you know, no prep time, then they're going to get their back up. They're going to get annoyed about that. But, you know, if you hand me a script with a a, a big print note like that, and then I can sit with the director and say, okay, well – you know, Meryl's written that, you know, I'm meant to be panicked here, but I just feel like, can we do this through action rather than, you know, I don't know how to play or I don't think that my character is going to go from this moment to this moment. Right. So
0: so actors aren't gods.
1: What? Yeah. <laughs> Who here's told what you I that? Mean. Here's what I mean. Here's actors I mean. are the lowest rung creatively no. of anyone in the well, industry. No, but
0: here's what I mean. Um, we're led to believe that actors can just translate all the words into action and like, like that is their job. But mm. there's... It's not as simple as, hey, do a thing. Here's what I want you to do. Figure it out. Like, it's not that simple.
1: No, it's not that simple. And also, look, I'm the first person to make fun of actors. I get it. Like, it's a very kind of privileged position for someone to be in. You know, Mm -hmm. you get picked up from your home. You get driven to set. You get makeup put on you. Someone holds an umbrella over your head if you're hungry. If you're thirsty, someone brings you something to drink or something to eat. You're very mollycoddled. You're kept in cotton wool. I understand that
0: because you don't want because they don't want you to like use your brain at all until exactly yeah, until the cameras are rolled. Exactly because
1: all the work that everyone has put into that point is worth nothing if once that camera's rolling, I can't deliver what you need. Right. So I get that, but by the same token, like it's uh you. It is a it is a process. It is a collaboration. I mean, sure. At, the actor is at the pointy end of the process and they're the one who's going to give you your money shot at the end. But there's everyone has got to work together to shape that. The writer, the director, the DOP. You're all working towards making that moment happen. And the best stuff I've worked on, the work that I've been most proud of has has been when everyone gets to chip in. I don't turn up no I, I turn up with my point of view and my character. I've made decisions about my character. You know, I have some ideas about how I want to play things and stuff. Um, and I will defend that, but I will also yield to my director if they have a better idea or if the writer comes in like that. I worked on a job where I felt like they were trying to establish a banter between husband and wife mm-hmm. and they wanted it to show like this couple have reconciled, they're deeply in love again and all this kind of stuff. And it was very on the nose. It was very literal, I love you, baby, you know, you're the girl for me, but all that kind of shit. And I was like, well, I think if you're truly comfortable with your partner, you don't need to say that stuff. If anything, when you're super comfortable with your partner, you maybe tease them a little bit <laughs> or you pretend you're not in love with right. them. Well, you know, that's, that to me shows more complexity. And that was something that the writer didn't agree with. He just felt like it wasn't going to work. And so we went back and forth, back and forth. But eventually we sided with him. We decided, okay, well, look, the the risk of the audience not there's there's greater risk if we do it my way that the audience will not get that we're back in love again. With the writer's version, we know we'll know. It may be on the nose. It may be cheesy. It may be obvious. But we get to the next
0: scene, and then we know what's at stake. John that Rogers back in, love. in the first episode, of this said what he likes to do is some of his favorite scripts are the ones that take in the scariest thi- things are the ones that take you to the point of just being explicit enough for a second and then pulling it back and then letting the audience forget why they're invested, but then they just know they're invested. So it's like whatever mood like the my favorite example, and I brought this up I think one other time so far on the show, um, is The Big Short. You've seen The Big Short? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The Big Short is this movie where, everything is done in voiceover all of the exposition is in your face and a lot of people say well that's because you know the the big all the terms and all the banking stuff is very complex i'm like but that's not the only thing that's like Mm. there's literally a moment in the movie when it's steve carell and that asian dude are at the casino and the asian dude is explaining um basically the fake version of the things that they're gambling on. It's like someone's bet, bets mortgages. on a bet. Yes. Yeah. The bets on a bet, on a bet, on a bet. Um I forgot what the term was, but it's that he's explaining it and they do this whole montage of Corel asking the guy questions of like how is that even legal? This, that. And then there's a freeze frame, at which point it's freezing of Steve Carell with his hand over his face and the voice and um and uh what's his face from Drive says over the ryan gosling. yes ryan gosling says uh and that was the moment steve baum realized that the world's economy was about to collapse and i'm like that i didn't need that that bit of voiceover it didn't need to be explained but they put it in there because it's like it's kind of it works mm. it make it works but of course not everything can be the big short but the point being going explicit may not be the worst thing in the world
1: well i could think as long as it's stylistically consistent mm-hmm. the whole that whole film is filled with voiceover. It's filled with um, fourth wall breaking dialogue. Mm. It's filled with, you know, whimsical kind of cut up a- with
0: everything you're told not to do. Yeah, exactly. But
1: it's consistent, <laughs> right. right? It's not like the film had been, you know, like a hard bitten kind of drama. And then there's this freeze frame, arrested development, you know, Ron Howard voiceover type. Moment.
0: Another good example of just like, in your face explicit but that's why people but,
1: that, but, but it's also used comedically right yes, that the yes. voiceover contradicts the the yes. action you know it's used as for irony or it's used for satire or it's used for contradiction mm-hmm. but I mean I don't think I look, I, I struggle with this, these rules of writing things all the time like you know you don't use voiceover don't use flashbacks I, like whatever I mean what, however you want to tell your story but just be consistent with it yes. I, it's kind of like if I can just deviate for a second, I've been, I've been watching the new Twin Peaks, right? Mm-hmm. And I've really been enjoying it, but like I love the first series of Twin Peaks back in the 90s and then I hated the second series when they got rid of David Lynch and I didn't want to watch this new series because I'm sort of dead against this whole kind of uh, revival reboot phenomenon that we're in at the moment. But then I started watching it and I'm like, oh, this is great. Like it feels so like a David Lynch show and it's different it's it's the spirit of the first series but different you know they got new cast and but it is so frustrating to watch like it's deliberately non-linear uh just when you think you're getting somewhere they go on this they 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 go on some non-sequitur kind of like subplot but what I realized about it is that it's consistently inconsistent. Yes. And that makes it acceptable. Yes. So
0: it's fascinating to use that word specifically because a conversation that has come up many times in the show is this idea of whatever the script in that you talk about the first draft, throw it all at the wall, overwrite it, do whatever. To me, I said I said this on I think it was the Chris Downey episode, where what you want to do is create a box for yourself. You know, and that's something that no writer wants to hear. Don't put me in a box put yourself in a box and you put yourself in a box because you basically decide, okay, what are your guidelines for this script? How many, li- how many lines do you want each action slug to be? How much do yeah. you want the dialogue to be? Et cetera. Once you establish those rules, it becomes a lot easier to edit and go, okay, well this doesn't fit the rules that I set up. Let's change this. Let's change this. And now you, you end up with a consistent product yeah. right from page one to page whatever. And <clears throat> I think that consistency helps a lot in helping someone, um access the work and really sort of be able to understand what you're going for because if it's all over the place it's like this is already just a chore it's a chore in of itself to try and break it down but if there's consistency from page one to page 60 yeah no page 30 i imagine as the producer as the director as the actor it kind of becomes easier to dissect yeah what Go
1: ahead. No, no. I was just agreeing no, with okay. I, I was just thinking, you know, your first question about what do you look for in a script, but I think you're sort of hitting it on the head there is you want that balance. It's got to be consistent and coherent, mm-hmm. but it's got to be surprising as well. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds almost like well, a Well, it has to be
0: surprising in story, but that has nothing to do with the mechanics. No. And this is where I really – because like story is story and – Uh, You listen to a thousand podcasts about how to write story. Yeah. What I'm more concerned about is the actual mechanics of the script and how people respond to those mechanics and the weight of it. And it's, you know, when you're reading and you're reading, everyone's reading it for different things. A producer's reading it thinking, how do I sell this? Mm. And how do I actually make this? Director's reading it. Going,
1: how do I see this? How
0: do I see this? And again, also, everyone's asked, everyone, the the one question everyone's asking, how do I make this? Mm. But everyone, but within that, producer's going, how do I sell this? The director's going, how do I actually achieve this moment? And the actor's going, how do I play this? And the writer is the one at the beginning who has to kind of question all of those different responses that... I th- and I think actor is the one that's kind of forgotten about because everyone's so focused on selling that the idea of, well, it doesn't, everyone's like, well, it doesn't really. Because right now there's this trend of like writing things in a way things aren't written. Like in terms <laughs> of the, here's what I mean. Yeah, got it. Here's what I mean. So the scripts that get bought often are scripts that aren't, weren't actually designed to be shot. As it has come up on the show, there are scripts to be made and scripts to be read. Right. And the scripts to be. So,
1: are you you talking about they're the same script? Like, there's like you. Well, here's
0: a good example. Have you ever read a writer's draft versus a production draft? Yes. yes. And how different are. Yeah, yeah, you see what I'm getting at now. Yeah. The production draft is so different Mm. and specific compared, whereas the writer draft is a little more subtler Mm. and. More of a story. More of a story. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's, and it's, I find interesting because. So many writers, like, they just think about the selling aspect when it's like, you don't know who will read this. Here's the thing. There's an entire possibility if you're writing a spec, it could land in the hands of an actor. And I'm not talking about some big actor. Just any actor could just land. Like, it just ends up in their their hands, and it's just someone says, read this. And they read it, and they respond to it as an actor. Then you suddenly got an actor who might be interested in the script. But if you're not writing with that idea in mind how an actor might take it as well. You know, you maybe you've just cut yourself out of an opportunity mm. possibly.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And so what I'm trying to get at is here's, here's the best way I can ask it. Yeah. What, what should a writer be thinking about in terms of how an actor is going to respond to the script when they're writing it and more, more, more when they're rewriting it. Cause the first draft is, you know, mm. the first draft.
1: Um, I don't know, man. I mean, that's a hard question because like, because, like, I mean, what are, because there's so many variables in this question. Yes. And I didn't say it was an easy question. <laughs> and, 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 like, and, and, and are you, uh, let's assume we're talking about the lead actor. Okay. okay. So it's the lead role. Yes. Because yes. I assume there's more than one character in this script. Yes. And so, are let's you, assume we're are talking, you gearing it for every single like actor that's right, going to So, so we're
0: talking about the guy who's going to, the guy or girl who's going to be on the poster. All
1: right, okay. All right. So this is the person you're going out to because you want them on the film. I mean, Oh, look, I, I don't know that there's any simple answer to it that that isn't obvious. Right. Which is that, you know, you just, you want something that, like we said, is going to be, uh, that, that is easy to read but is but uh, mechanically is solid, right. structurally is solid, mm-hmm. um, but story-wise, narratively is compelling and intriguing, makes them want to keep turning the page. Like I think the best compliment I've ever got about, scripts I've written is that that was a good read. That was an easy read. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't get bored. I I, I just, I breezed through I
0: got that on like the third rewrite of, of my last sample, I was like, "Oh, thank God!" Which
1: is good because yes. you know what it's like to read a script that you get they,
0: oh bored. God. Where you
1: where you get uh, like you know, I mean, especially in pilot season when you get like a whole bunch of scripts coming out. Often, I will have to like. How
0: much do you love? A, how much do you love reading like a fifty-two page script, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but but
1: it's but it's that thing of you want it to be a page turner, and I do think that a lot of that, I think the, for me the cons the, the consistency uh, comes down to the economy in which you tell the story like i think you can use really descriptive phrases and exciting dialogue and you know action dialogue action action uh, in the big print and um you know exciting dialogue unique dialogue but it's the economy of of the phrase like i just think that the, the when i read my friend's scripts who asked me to read things The first thing I'll do is just like put a red line through huge chunks of descriptive text. Like, you don't need to describe, you don't have to describe the entire room. Like, unless. You know, unless every it's,
0: unless it's story important. Yeah, exactly. Unless, it's, and, and unless there's an element yeah, that's gonna it's gonna come, to come back.
1: back later. Like, unless we need to know that the grandfather clock is, you know, gonna conceal a secret door that he's gonna find in the second act, then you don't need to describe that. And I also think too that there is an element of wankiness. I don't know uh, <laughs> what the American version bullshit. Okay. There's a there's an element of bullshitting that an actor is just trying to fill a word count. When they describe like a sunset or a, You're or ready a sunrise, to try to fill a yeah. yeah, yeah, like that—that—that that, 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 that is unnecessary. Um, you know, that's probably more time that you could be spent into thinking about who this character is and just like, I always, I always think about um, character introductions as being like the most important thing. Like the first time you meet a character, that is going to as a as an actor, that's going to dictate whether or not I want to keep reading. Like, mm. think about how Captain Jack Sparrow enters the first parts of the Caribbean film. You remember that? Like it's a heroic shot of Johnny Depp against the sunset, the music's playing. And as they pull out, you realize he's standing on a sinking ship and he steps off the ship just as it lands on port. And in that moment, you get everything you need to know about this guy. Yes. Is he's, he's deluded. He, you know, thinks he's this like captain, but he will always land on his feet, even when he's on a sinking ship. He's like yes. a rat. He's cunning. I think to me, like when that you That's
0: a really good one. And never I never thought about that one until just now.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's really good. I watched Hot Fuzz last night, and you know, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg do a great job of introducing their characters. Like it's just I think that. If that's, the, if that's the first like three pages, I mean, if your character appears in the first three pages, look, you might have a great cold opening, great. But the character, how you introduce the character. And now that I'm saying it, you're making me worry about the stuff that I've written recently. I'm like, shit, sure, I welcome, need to. Welcome. <laughs> re-
0: welcome the Word Textures. It's all about rewriting. Yeah. It's totally fine.
1: But yeah, to me, that that's probably what it is. It's like, how do you introduce that character? And do I get a sense of who this person And, and it's not from you know he's a rock and roll cowboy blah 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 it's what do i know he does. who this
0: person is yeah. the first time i meet them yes that is interesting yeah and I and
1: and what they're doing in this first scene mm-hmm. do i want to see them do like do i want to, i want to see more of them doing that you know are they being a prick are they being charming are they being you know like a monster what is what is it about them that makes you want to turn the page and see them in another context doing their thing
0: mhm all right Charlie Clausen. Oh shit, we're done. We're done. Oh sorry. That was just a, this is a quick one. I'm not used
1: to short podcasts. No, this is a quick one. Yeah, great. Try
0: Clausen. Uh, thank you for being my holiday guest episode. Yeah,
1: my pleasure. <laughs> Happy um, holidays, everybody. Um,
0: back in Australia, uh, you your Wolf Creek yeah, came out very Series too.
1: Yeah, on December fifteenth, it came out. On what? Uh, out Stan. 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 Um, I think it'll be on the Pop Network in the US.
0: Okay. Again, patreon.com slash wartetris. Um, Sign up for the dollar and episode tier. Get all the full episodes. Sign up for the $3 episode tier. Get bonus episodes. It's really fun. I highly recommend it because I, you know, get paid when you do it. Um, oh, and let's talk, uh, Tofop. How ah, you about Tofop. Tofop? Oh, yeah, okay. And I have a podcast
1: called Tofop with my friend Will Anderson. Um, it's a comedy conversation between two old friends. <laughs> <laughs> we can't think of it. it's seven years, we can't think of a better description than that. Uh, yeah, but It's
0: you- a show. It is, you know Chat Edge, uh, right? Hmm? Yeah, chat Edge. Yeah. yeah. Our mutual friend. He once described Walking the Room as the Seinfeld, the podcast. Right. And I think that now that that's gone, you can probably – Take over that mantle so you are the Seinfeld of podcasting. We're the
1: Australian Seinfeld of (laughs) podcasting.
0: About nothing. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, so you can go to TOEFOP.com. A lot of talk about
0: Batman and time travel.
1: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Go to TOEFOP.com. You can find that podcast. We do a bunch of other ones as well that might take interest. And we're on Patreon as well. Yeah, support our show as well. Give your money to Meryl first. If you've got anything left over, then chuck some pennies our way.
0: All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys later.